Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. If you are not subscribed to the podcast already, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure that you take the time to write a review and leave a rating of the podcast. Hopefully it is five stars on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and platforms like that. Make sure you follow us on our Instagram page, which is at Oh My Allergies. Also follow me, which my handle is at Oh My Valencia and keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know. So in today's episode, we are talking all about dogs. This episode is for my dog owners and for my dog lovers. I'm going to be talking about something that I personally don't hear too many people discuss and that's the topic of dogs having food allergies and sensitivities. Now I know I did an episode a while back about dogs having environmental allergies and I know a good amount of people who listened to the episode that I know and don't know were kind of like surprised that dogs can have allergies and it's something that when I bring it up in like day-to-day talk or if people dm me through the oh my allergies podcast instagram it's something that kind of just catches people off guard and so this is a topic that i'm personally always looking into because my dog deals with allergies both on the environmental side as well as on the food side of things as well and so i figured that i'm probably not the only one who has a dog that has allergies so i was like let's talk about this on the podcast but before i get into today's episode you guys know i gotta talk about what's been going on So what's been going on with me? Well, recently, actually, the Olympics just wrapped up the Winter Olympics, and I kind of feel a little sad about it in a weird way, because it's something that have always been having it in like the background, whether I'm doing work or whether it's on the weekends and like I'm watching and catching up on all the different sports I might have missed um, during the week because they do a lot of different like highlights on like NBC and on USA Network here in the US. And I don't know, like I've just been so used to every time I turn on the TV onto like NBC or USA that I'm going to see some curling, you know, and it's something that even though I don't really understand the whole concept of curling, it's kind of like, oh, not gonna be able to see it in like the Olympic sport coverage anymore and it's kind of weird or being able to see like the snowboarding or being able to see the snowboard cross or you know some of the other different sports that I've learned so much more about just from watching the Winter Olympics and was really excited to see the closing ceremonies but I don't know it kind of felt a little bit rushed in my opinion the closing ceremonies but it was really cool like the little presentation that Italy had put together because they're going to be hosting the next Winter Olympics which I thought was very interesting especially because when I did research I found out it was between Italy and Switzerland so I don't know what I don't know like what Italy deals with in terms of like winter weather because when you think of Italy at least in my opinion I tend to personally think of like 
summertime. I tend to think of Lizzie McGuire, the movie. Like I think about stuff like that. I really don't associate Italy with the winter. Um, so I'm definitely very interested in seeing like how the Winter Olympics happen in Italy. So I'm definitely excited to see kind of what happens with that. Um, what else has been going on with me? Oh, there's something that recently like that's kind of like huge that happened to me. So I was on my laptop the other day and I was on it and then I was having some issues for some reason with the notes app on my laptop and then it like crashed and then it like closed itself and then I tried to open it and then I was having problems with it and then it was saying like the app closed unexpectedly so I was like okay 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 like let me try to force quit the app or something or let me try like re like turning on my computer and so I did that and don't you know I lost every single note on my laptop every single note and I pretty much had a panic attack I was like oh my gosh like I lost all the notes I need them blah 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 like they were things that I really needed and and the bad thing about it is because like I have a Mac and so typically people when they hear that they're like oh you have iCloud so like you're fine but my notes on my laptop are not backed up by iCloud. So they are stored on the actual Mac itself. So if the files are not found on the Mac, then like I'm kind of lost and I don't have the files anymore. So then I started freaking out and I was just like, oh my gosh, like what am I going to do? And I was trying to look up all these different articles online and trying to figure out ways on how to be able to get the notes back on my laptop. But then luckily I thought about it. I was like, oh my goodness, I think I recently did a backup of my laptop on my external hard drive using Time Machine. And normally I am not that person that backs up my laptop like all the time. Like I am that person that backs up my laptop right before I'm about to send it in for service. Like I don't back up my laptop like every week or every day or something like that. No, don't do that. But this past week, I actually backed up my laptop. So I had like current files and current things like it was a current backup, you know, so I was like feeling really good about it. I was like, OK, and it's kind of scary because when you are trying to restore a backup, you have to erase your hard disk and then kind of restore the, the backup that you have, the backup file that you have. So I was like, I don't know, like I hope like this does it because if it doesn't, then like I'm screwed. And so I did it and it worked. And I was just very, very happy that it worked because I was getting very scared that I lost all my notes and that I was gonna have to start from scratch. So that was like the latest scary thing that happened to me that just really made me almost lose my bonkers. Um, and then another thing that's been going on that I've been watching softball because it is softball season. So I've been starting to watch the games and get into the softball spirit. And so I'm um, just kind of getting back into the swing and things of that because I love watching college softball in specific. So definitely really like watching the games like on television, get really into it and stuff. And actually before I recorded this episode, I actually watched a softball game. So I'm definitely really excited that softball season is back. But that is basically what's been going on with me. Um, I'm so happy I was able to get the computer thing fixed because if I wasn't, I would be very, very sad. And I would sound very sad in this episode. Um, but with that being said, let's get right into my foodie likes.
my first foodie like I want to share with you all comes from the brand Bob's Red Mill, which if you know, you know, I have been a fan of Bob's Red Mill for so many years. But lately, I have been loving their gluten free oatmeal classic uh, oatmeal cup things that you can either like put in the microwave or you don't have to put it in the microwave if you do not want to. Um, just to have like a quick breakfast option. I actually recently had it this morning, the day that I'm recording this episode for breakfast, and it was really good. I really like the fact that the ingredients are just very straightforward and like what you see is what you get. There's nothing hidden in the products from Bob's Red Mill. It's pretty straightforward so I really do like that and I added some uh, dairy-free milk to it I added some cinnamon a little bit of coconut sugar and it tasted really really good so highly recommend uh, trying out their gluten-free oatmeal because it is a really good um, another favorite I have comes from the brand I think it's pronounced Montaigne it's their grapefruit peach sparkling water which when I saw when I saw grapefruit and peach as a flavor, it really intrigued me because I like both of those as sparkling waters as separate flavors. So being able to bring the two flavors together, I was like, I don't really know how this is going to work or if that's going to even taste great together. But it actually tastes really good and refreshing. And I think this was my first time trying Montaigne as a sparkling water brand, but I really liked it. I thought the flavor was very bold and flavorful and I just really love the flavor. It tasted so good and refreshing, and I highly recommend it. Um, another uh, foodie-like favorite of mine lately, since we're, since we're talking about sparkling water, it is from Whole Foods' brand, their pineapple passion fruit Italian mineral water. Oh my gosh. This flavor is so good. It's so refreshing. And literally when I opened the mineral water bottle, like you can instantly smell the flavor and it really just encompasses you and it smells so delicious and so good and highly recommend it if you are into sparkling water like I am. I like to call myself a sparkling water connoisseur. I love sparkling water. I've talked about sparkling water on pretty much any platform. <laughs> pretty much. And I just love sparkling water. I know some people don't like it, but I am one of those people that like it and I will fight to the end for it. But those are my foodie likes as of late. So with that being said, I'm going to get right into the allergy news. So this week's allergy news article is about how a woman had a horrible allergic reaction to a brow lamination treatment. So in this article, which will be linked in our show notes, this article talks about how eyebrow lamination has really just grown in popularity because people view it as being a treatment to help with taming, you know, your bushy eyebrows. If you have bushier eyebrows and being able to help it where your eyebrows look a lot more fuller. I don't really have to deal with that issue because my eyebrows are fine and I think they're full enough. But this one person on TikTok talked about how she had a really horrible allergic reaction after she experienced her first eyebrow lamination. And after she shared a number of progress photos, she revealed how her eyebrows went from looking slightly red and irritated to being completely inflamed and swollen. 
and she captioned her video with never getting a brow lamination ever again. So in the photos in the video, she shows how her reaction was like burn like patches above and below her brows and then her eyelids and under eyes became really puffy and really just sore looking. So many different people on TikTok went into the comments and were asking her if she had gotten a patch test done before she had booked a full treatment. And she had said that she got a test patch in December, but still had this and it's been over a week and she's just red, but it took a lot of medicine to be able to help with her symptoms. And so some people were saying that probably what happened is that she was reacting to the chemical solution that is being used to straighten the brow hairs. And that's what caused this big allergic reaction, even though um, people were saying on TikTok that this treatment is supposed to be painless. But they also say just to make sure that you don't come across any danger while you are experiencing the treatment to get a patch test on a small area of the skin just to make sure that your skin is fine and doesn't have some sort of reaction but she claimed that she did a patch test even though she had such a very painful reaction but one thing that I think is something that you can learn from from this story is the fact that you don't know what you're going to be allergic to. And just because you might not have experienced an allergic reaction immediately doesn't mean that you're not allergic to whatever substance that you are exposing your body to. So this really just shows you the importance of always informing people of any potential allergies or reactions that you may suffer in any medications that you may be on that could cause an adverse reaction. And then also the importance of doing a, a patch test. This is something that I feel is very important, especially if you're trying something new, especially on your face like that is something that everybody's going to see you when they come into contact with you so if you don't want your face to deal with any type of symptoms allergic symptoms reactions rashes do a patch test because you will be patting yourself on the back later because you could be avoiding you know such a big reaction like the one that this woman had described if you just did a patch test and really just kind of got that out of the way because just because it didn't happen immediately doesn't mean that you're not allergic. But we will have this allergy news article linked in our show notes so you all can look at the story in its full entirety. But I definitely find different news articles like this just to be very interesting because it really just highlights the fact that you could be allergic to so many different things that you didn't even really think of. And so hopefully these allergy news articles that we highlight in each episode really just brings that value and really just allows you to just reflect and be like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even know that you could possibly be allergic to this or that or being able to kind of just bring up different things that are happening in pop culture um, that is in relation to allergies. But with that being said, like I said, Allergy News article will be linked in our show notes if you want to look at the article in its full entirety. But with that being said, we're going to get into today's topic, which is all about dogs and whether they can have food allergies and sensitivities. Like I say in these types of episodes, I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be either of those things. These are just things that I know from personal experience and research that I've done. And I encourage you all to do research on your own as well. 
So I know when people hear food allergies, they tend to just think about actual people. However, like dogs and even cats can have food allergies themselves. Like similarly to humans, a food allergy happens because of a pet's immune system. So when a dog has a food allergy, their immune system mistakes the food for something as being harmful and then it goes on the attack and that is pretty much what causes the reaction. Now food allergies in dogs, it can start at any age age and the allergic response can range from so many different symptoms from itchy and irritated skin to symptoms that are more so on the severe and dangerous side of the spectrum. Now some signs of a food allergy in dogs are usually itchy skin or digestive disturbances like vomiting or diarrhea and like some other symptoms are like scooting and skin or ear infections and this is something that my dog had dealt with for so long and it took a while for us to kind of figure out you know like what is causing these ear infections because she would just get ear infections so much and I'm like this is becoming very very costly like we need to figure out what is the root of these ear infections of having to buy medication and having to have it where she has to get an e-collar so she's not nipping at her ears and it's just it's just so stressful when it comes to dealing with a dog's ears and trying to figure out and there being like a nasty odory stench to it and you know your dog is just like please help me and you're like I'm trying but your ear smells really really bad right now so I'm trying my best and trying to figure out what the root causes and for us found out that it was allergies that was causing all of these things and having it where when she would go to the groomers and that would kind of just add to it because of the fact she was getting her ears washed and then they would just let water just sit in her ear so between the ear infections coming from that and then coming from her having allergies it just made her ear infections just really really a bad time for us and a very costly time for us so definitely it's just very interesting how with when it comes to even people how the approach of allergies like each person deals with different allergy symptoms like my symptoms to one allergen is going to be different from another person's symptoms to that same allergen and so I just think it's very interesting you know really just reflecting on my dog's symptoms and even my symptoms to the same things when it comes to both of our environmental allergies and how they are just so different and I know some symptoms that my dog deals with is you know her eyes will drain sometimes and that is a part of her symptoms for her environmental allergies and um, some other symptoms that she deals with is the itchy skin for sure it bothers me so much how much she will scratch and lick at her paws and I'm like it's not really helping anybody and the licking just gets on my last nerves to the point where anytime I see a dog just lick its paws it's just it just brings me back to the time when she would lick her paws so much because of her allergy symptoms and I'm like please stop please stop it's not helping anybody it's getting on my nerves it's not really helping you it's just kind of putting a bandage over it it's not really fixing the actual root issue here and I'm like doc we got to figure out something because I cannot listen to her lick at night it's just very distracting it's just keeping me up but it's just very interesting just seeing like the comparison between symptoms for allergies in humans and symptoms and allergies for pets um your dog having like an odor or bumps on the skin um and then some more subtle changes can also occur such as like 
hyperactivity, them losing weight, them not having a lot of energy, and even aggression. Now, the main symptom that my dog experiences is itchy skin, and it's a symptom that I've heard a lot of dogs with food allergies experience. And itchy skin, it's also known as allergic dermatitis. We've talked about that on the podcast. It can happen pretty much anywhere on your dog's body. So when it comes to dogs, it often happens, you know, near their ears, paws, their rear end, their stomach, you know, areas like that. Now, my dog, when it comes to her itchy skin, Like I said, her paws, those things, she's always trying to do something with them. Also, I notice like near her ears as well, like behind her ears, we'll see her scratch there as well. Um, We'll see her nipping like on her back area when her allergies are like really, really bad. And I'm just like, stop it. Like, it's not really helping you. Like, let's do something else constructive with her time. Like, hey, like, why don't you play with this toy or whatever, you know, to kind of distract her from wanting to scratch or putting like a hot spot itch cream, itch spray on it as well. Um, to really help with those symptoms because I found that those really help. Um, I've tried to do the thing like the apple cider vinegar, but my dog actually loves apple cider vinegar. So I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work. I can't just spray her paws with apple cider vinegar to make her not want to lick them because it doesn't work. It just makes her want to lick them even more. What other symptoms? Also, she'll want to scratch sometimes like get her belly scratched. And so that's a symptom that I've noticed as well. And sometimes she's even gotten um, patches like of like a rash like on her belly from allergy symptoms or like dry patches from allergy symptoms so it's just very interesting um just kind of taking note of the different symptoms that my dog has and kind of just monitoring them and kind of just seeing them and how it's just so different from humans and then another skin issue that a dog can experience actually is hives and that's known as uticaria and that can pop up six to even 24 hours after your dog eats the food that they're allergic to So if your dog has short hair, then those itchy red bumps are easier to see. Otherwise, if you have a fluffy little monster like myself, then you're going to have to feel for them. You're not going to be able to see them as easily as you can on a short-haired dog. Now, when it comes to itchy skin and hives, there are two side effects of the irritation. So one is your pet will likely stretch and bite and lick the affected areas and then that can lead to broken skin and this is something that I always fight with my dog about because I'm like I understand that you're dealing with a situation that you don't want to be in you know you didn't ask to be dealing with itchy skin and all of these other symptoms you know but scratching and biting and licking these areas is not going to do anything because it's going to lead to broken skin And if the skin is open, there's a chance that your dog could get an infection and then you'll have to deal with other bigger issues. And then all of that scratching can lead to hair loss. And it's kind of like this continuous cycle when it comes to my dog of like scratching and biting and licking and getting an infection. And it becomes very costly having to go to the veterinarian because of all of these symptoms And these symptoms are causing her to want to scratch, to bite, to lick, gets an infection, and then the process just starts all over again. Another thing is tummy trouble. So allergies can cause gastrointestinal issues such as gas, which I've heard my dog fart. I don't know if it's just me and I don't know if other dogs do this, but my dog deals with farting from time to time. And it's so hilarious because it'll scare her and she'll look around like, who farted? And I'm like, it was you. 
it's you. You are the thing that just farted right now. So like, don't try to go and blame other people in the room. Also, another thing is vomiting and then also diarrhea. Your dog could deal with having a swollen face. You might see swelling in your dog's lips or eyelids or their ear flaps. Um, another thing is chronic ear or paw infections. So repeated infections in your dog's ear or paws can also be a sign of either like a food sensitivity and not necessarily a food allergy. And like the crazy interesting thing is the fact that they can start even if your dog has been eating the same dog food for months or even years. And this is something that actually happened to my dog. So growing up for her, she ate a lot of dog food that where like the protein was chicken. And so for so many years, she had been eating chicken for dog food. And so then couple years had passed by and then I started noticing like some changes in like her skin and when it came to her allergy symptoms and so tried to do a process of elimination trying to figure out what it was in conjunction with her doctor and kind of communicating you know what the symptoms that she was dealing with and then we discovered that she had environmental allergies and so what she started getting on you know allergy shots for her environmental allergies still noticed that she was still experiencing some type of symptoms still. And so we were trying to figure out, you know, like what is going on? And so then, you know, did some research and found out that dogs can have food allergies. And I was kind of caught off guard because this is not something that I've personally heard too much about, about dogs having food allergies. And so talked with her doctor about it and then started talking about some of the things that she was eating and kind of just going through her diet. And, you know, we decided, hey, let's lay her off of the chicken and see if we can notice a difference. And boy, did we notice a difference. And it's so crazy because you don't really think of chicken as being an allergen. You know, you don't really think of that. You tend to think of like all of the different allergens that are tend to be found when it comes to people, to actual human beings. And so that kind of just threw us off guard. But we saw a huge change when her dog food was changed from chicken to turkey big change and I was just like oh my gosh like it's so crazy and so like the most common food allergens in dogs are proteins and especially those from dairy products so like beef lamb chicken chicken eggs soy gluten from wheat you know and then the more less common ones are like corn rice barley and oats and each time a pet eats food containing these substances the antibodies react with the antigens and then the symptoms occur. The tricky thing when it comes to dogs with allergies is that there aren't really any diets that are out there that are completely term hypoallergenic in quotes with them not causing any sort of allergic response, allergies, things like that. So when I did some research, the only thing that I saw that was like kind of the closest kind of diet to that is a hydrolyzed diet which involves 
hydrolysis and hydrolysis uses water to chemically break down proteins into pieces that are just so small to the point where their immune system no longer reacts to them but other than that dogs and even also cats can be allergic to pretty much any kind of protein or carb ingredient that is found in a pet now if you learn anything about food allergies when it comes to dogs and just pets in general they are a bit complicated so treatment for them is kind of the same when it comes to that which is different but similar to people in humans that have food allergies and I say that because humans and food allergies it's complicated because there are just so many treatment plans out there we've talked about some of them on the podcast and you just have to work with your doctor your allergist your ear nose and throat doctor etc to just find the best solution for you and your allergies and when it comes to dogs and pets there's not really a lot of options out there for them so when it comes to treatment most of the time you can manage food allergies in dogs by making changes to what they eat so that they just avoid their trigger food like a lot of people who have food allergies do and your dog's vet may prescribe some type of medicine to help with easing any symptoms that your dog may be feeling while they are still trying to figure out a long-term plan for your dog. Now if your dog is dealing with symptoms that are more so related and connected to digestive troubles such as just the food not really agreeing with them then you may want to look into seeing if your dog has more of a food intolerance and sensitivity rather than having a food allergy so just like with humans and with people there is a difference between a food allergy and a food sensitivity for dogs as well so for example an allergy triggers an immediate immune system response whereas a food sensitivity doesn't as we've talked about multiple times here on the podcast in relation to humans with food allergies. So your dog may have a food sensitivity if they are having a gradual reaction to an ingredient in their food. Now, although those are the most common, that doesn't mean that those are the only food ingredients that they are likely to cause food hypersensitivity. Pretty much any food ingredient can produce a food allergy. And now proteins are the most common cause, but there are also other substances and additives that could be responsible for the symptoms that your dog is experiencing. Now to figure out if this is what's wrong with your pet, you're probably just going to have to follow the same trial and error process as you would for a food allergy. Now, when it comes to symptoms like diarrhea and vomiting, those can also come from, you know, a virus, an infection, a parasite, a condition that your dog may be dealing with in reference to their digestive system, um, obstruction, and this is when something gets stuck in their intestines or in their stomach. And so really just to figure out what's really going on with your dog, your that might need to, you know, consider your dog's age, your dog's past illnesses, other animals that your dog has been around, as well as other information about its health. Also doing, you know, physical exam, doing lab tests on its blood and stool samples, doing x-rays, you know, all of these things. And then when your vet figures out what's wrong, then your dog, they might need certain types of medicine to help with that condition. Now, if you think that your dog may have a food allergy, it's really important to make sure that you're making an appointment with your vet. I feel like the more information about your dog's diet that you can share with your vet, the better. 
And once you have like a better idea of what's behind your dog's allergy, then you'll be able to ease their symptoms and stop any flare ups from happening in the future. And so what you need to do before you go to see your dog's vet is to really just write down the symptoms that your pet is having because a food allergy, it can affect your pet in so many different ways. So make sure that you're taking note of all the different changes that you've seen in your dog, even if you aren't really sure if they're really linked to a food allergy or a food sensitivity. And if you know the dates, then that can be really helpful with jotting those down as well. Also, writing down the food that your pet is eating. This is something that helped me a lot so much with my dog. And your pet may be able to eat the same food for up to two years before their immune system even starts to have a problem with it. So make sure that your vet also knows about any snacks that you give your pet. One thing I like about my dog's vet is that they really ask so many different questions about your dog's diet, whether you've been seeing this vet for the first time or you've been seeing them for like four or five years like my dog has just to be able to see different trends and like what they're eating and maybe this might be causing this to happen because of their diet so I know for me like when I talk to my dog's vet about the different foods that she eats you know I'm very specific about you know, how much of the food that I give, if there's snacks, like I talk about how I give her like carrots and radishes and different things like that. My dog loves lettuce. It's kind of weird, but hey, she could like worse things. Just making sure that you're kind of keeping note of the, the different things that you're giving her, even, you know, to the toothpaste that you give your dog when you're brushing their teeth. Um, just keeping literally note of everything that is going in your dog's mouth. Also, another thing to keep note of if you're giving your dogs any supplements, you know, or if your dog is on any medication, you know, making sure that you're writing down if they're taking any over the counter products, if they're taking any herbal supplements, you know, the amount that your dog is taking when they started it, these things are really going to be able to help the doctor out. And then also keep in note of any other allergy triggers, like has your dog been exposed to any fleas? pollen, dust mites, grasses, these are all things that could cause the same symptoms as a food allergy. Now, if you think your dog may have a food allergy, definitely you should discuss it with your dog's veterinarian because they'll be able to help your pet be able to get back into living an itch-free life. And like once you know what your pet is allergic to, then it really makes a lot of things easier from there because you and your vet can really just figure out a way on how to handle it that's best for your dog, best for your pocket, you know, because those things are very, very important. And so you may have to, you know, keep your pet away from whatever it's allergic to. If that's even possible, help your pet with keeping its coat clean. And like my dog does, if your vet decides that allergy shots is the best way to go, then, you know, go in to see them regularly. Usually my dog uh, gets them like every like six to eight weeks. And I've noticed personally for her environmental allergies that they make such a big difference. And so that's kind of what works for her. But you got to figure out with you and your dog's doctor, what works for you. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode just because I feel like when it comes to allergies, you tend to think about how dogs and pets in general can be in 
allergen rather than them having allergens themselves. So hopefully this episode brings that awareness because I definitely want to talk more about allergy topics that aren't really talked about as much. Like I said, I feel like people tend to like not really even think about the fact that pets themselves can have allergies and so I definitely want to talk about that on the podcast especially as a pet owner myself but if you guys enjoyed this episode make sure to hit that subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice give us a follow on the oh my allergies instagram page which is at oh my allergies make sure you take the time to rate the podcast and write a written review hopefully your rating is five stars keep on sharing the podcast with people you know and don't know and I'll talk to you guys in the next episode Bye, guys.